Cast family, I'm Chad Bokelman, and welcome to episode six of the Lantern Cast presents Green Lantern, Green Arrow. Uh, this time around, we will be covering Green Lantern issue number seventy-eight, also known as Green Lantern, co-starring Green Arrow issue number seventy-eight. The cover features Green Arrow holding back Black Canary in her first appearance in this series. As Hal beats a man in a sort of deerskin uh, jacket, saying. He's the only, quote, family I've got. Let him go, you maniacs, or I'll kill you both. Uh, we will get back to that, quote, family, um, quote thing uh, there uh, a little uh, later in the episode. But this issue starts off with Black Canary on a motorcycle being confronted by a biker gang. They try and steal her motorcycle from her, uh, and uh, she makes short work of them. But right before she finishes up with the last guy, one of the first guys comes to, runs his motorcycle into her from behind, knocking her into the air and unconscious. They steal her motorcycle and leave as Dinah's limp, uh, uh, Laurel, uh, Dinah Laurel Lance, uh, <laughs> it's my arrow stuff uh, getting a hold of me, I apologize, um, is picked up by a man in shadow. A few weeks later, Hal and Ollie, and the Guardian, of course, arrive in their truck into this town, and as they come in to grab some food, a Native American man who runs the store offers them some beans uh, for, for from the menu, something to eat. Um, the biker gang, surprise, surprise, shows up and starts trouble with this Native American shop owner. They uh, punch him in the mouth. Hal and Ollie uh, step out and then transform into Green Lantern and Green Arrow, and show back up and take on the biker gang. Well, one of them gets away on a motorcycle, uh, and Ollie <laughs> says, I'll do the honors. I've been hoping to use this arrow. I've got the idea when I saw some deep-sea fishermen at work. Figured if I combine their net technique with the principle of atomic fission, I'd have the perfect gimmick to land, oh, say, a, th- a greasy thug on a motorcycle. Not sure how... Um, some sort of atomic fission works into this net arrow of Ollie's, but it does the trick and takes out this guy. Uh, and then, of course, Green Arrow notices, hey, do you recognize that motorcycle, Hal? That is Dinah's uh, motorcycle. Um, so he beats the crap out of this guy trying to figure out what's going on. They, of course, re- this guy, of course, relays... What had happened to Laurel, uh, Dinah, sorry, again, Arrow, I apologize. Um, it's a good show, guys, you should watch it. Um, and once Ollie hears what they've done to Dinah, beats the crap out of him to where Hal has to hold him back. Well, cut to Hal and Ollie, distraught, and in the, uh, in the shop, Ollie apologizes to the Native American shop owner for what, you know, uh, causing a ruckus in the area. Well, this guy obviously has some issues, as he says, Think nothing of it, pale faces. You people have been walking all over us for 400 years. Why get remorse at this late date? Ollie asks if he has a particular gripe in mind, and he says, Uh-huh, lots of gripes. 
The White Eyes swiped our land, broke treaties, herded us like animals onto reservations, and now the Big Bellies in the capital are talking about taking away our fishing rights. Next, they'll want the marrow from our bones. All right, so Hal and Ollie take off to go find Dinah. Well, the Guardian stays behind, saying, This conversation interests me. It illuminates a facet of human existence I had never known about before. We'll get back to this in the next episode slash next issue of this series. Uh, some uh, Native American uh, uh, social issue uh, being addressed, but the seeds being planted here. For now, we're focused on the Dinah storyline. Hal and Ollie go off to find Dinah. They find her quite quickly, and as they try and convince her to come with, she seems kind of out of it, dazed. She recognizes Green Arrow, um, but she says she can't go with him. It's her home. And a guy says, please, you're disturbing her. You must leave. She's now a member of my family. I am called Joshua. Well, Joshua explains that him and his people are a band of the enlightened. Our mission is to bring truth to these troubled times. And Ollie questions this and says, and uh, Joshua says, well, clearly you're not ready for my message, so please leave. Well, Ollie says, we're not leaving without Dinah. He tries to kiss her into remembering them and how he she feels about uh, Ollie. Uh, but they she refuses and uh, they take off. Well, she for a moment remembers everything that had happened in her past. There's a uh, brief uh, recap of, of, uh, of Dinah's history. And Joshua gets her attention, kind of snaps her out of her memories. And says, uh, "I got this. It's 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 for you." She gives her, uh, he gives her a a gun in a box, and she's like, "It's wrong to use him," but he's like, "Trust me, daughter. Look at me. Fall into the depths of my gaze. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me." Very uh, obviously, they're they're doing some sort of hypnosis thing here. Well, Hal and Ollie are back at a campfire and talking things over, and Hal says, "Well, you can't convince her to come with you. She's a basically it's a, she's a big girl. She can make her own decisions." Well, that irritates Ollie, and he, of course, you know, socks Hal in the face. Uh, and then uh, as Ollie goes off uh, on his own, he hears some gunfire. He goes towards the sound of gunfire, and it's Joshua and his minions practicing gunfire. Or practicing shooting, rather. Um, he's giving a speech, some of which I'll read here. He says, that's enough. Heed me, listen to your leader, your father Joshua. You have, we have trained, practiced, worked well for tonight. Within the hour, we strike our first blow. We destroy our enemies. Such has been the course of history in this nation that the white man and the non-white man are enemies. It is a pity that we must kill, but we have no choice. Those of white ancestry and the others can no longer share the same land. To survive, we must make corpses of the red man, the black man, the yellow man. Now is the time. We strike our first blow for peace. We descend upon the Indian village like avenging gods and leave nothing alive. Well, clearly this man is nuts. Ollie leaps into action, sending a flare gun, hoping that uh, Green Lantern sees it. They all turn and start shooting in the direction where the flare... Uh, well, he shoots a flare arrow, excuse me. Uh, they all turn, Joshua and his folks turn and start shooting in the direction the fl flare arrow came from. Uh, they He gets caught, uh, it looks like in the shoulder, with a, uh, uh, a bullet. Uh, Hal shows up. They all start shooting at him, but of course it, it doesn't work. Uh, as he shields himself, then creates a magnet construct to uh, take up their guns and then melts them. They all try and attack him uh, physically by force, so he creates a trench uh, 
in front of him to which they all fall. Hal, uh, not Hal, Joshua and Ollie, no, not Joshua, uh, Joshua and Dinah, excuse me, uh, they escape, come back upon Ollie, who is now waking up, and he tells, Joshua tells Dinah, you need to shoot him, shoot him, kill him, kill him. Uh, but all of this is being observed by Hal, and he says, it won't be a trick to disarm Black Canary, and wait, she's wavering. I'll wait till the last possible second. If I interfere, she'll always wonder what she would have done. I've got to gamble Green Arrow's life against Black Canary's soul and pray I'm not making a mistake. She, uh, Joshua's yelling at her to kill him, kill him, kill him, but she says, I remember him as kind, gentle, and then a brilliant three-page panel, or three panels of Dinah's face as she's wavering she uh, by by neil adams um she then drops the gun um joshua picks it up and is about to shoot him then a green fist strikes joshua and as he falls the gun toward turns towards him and he shoots himself in the chest uh basically while the gun is pointed at his heart and as he falls he dies dinah doesn't understand what has happened but um uh, you know, Ollie, Ollie says it's okay. Maybe one day we'll understand why people like this affect us. And she says, but he hypnotized us. And Ollie says, sure, that's part of it. But there had to be a part of you that responded to his insanity. You, me, all of us. Maybe we can rid our, get rid of that part of ourselves forever. And, uh, Hal looks upon the dead body of Joshua and says, I hope so, Green Arrow. But I can't help doubting it. Joshua wasn't the first of his kind, and he probably won't be the last. And that ends this issue, number uh, 78 of Green Lantern. So, what was the story about? I realize I'm going through all this pretty fast-paced. Well, this story is about... Uh, well, before I get there, when I first got into comics, I was... Uh, interested in, in a couple of different things. And I was, I, I got into it in, uh, 05. So, uh, well, heavily into it in 05. And about the time I, when, whenever it was that I found Green Lantern and Green Arrow, when I read this particular issue, I kind of thought they were making a point about religion. Uh, that Joshua looks kind of like Jesus. And they must have been talking about some sort of a religion as a, um, in a cult-like fashion. And I wasn't, obviously, uh, once we get to it, I wasn't very far from the truth there. But, the thing is, wasn't educated on comics and not very uh, historically rounded, let's say. Because this story is not about Jesus or Christianity. It's about Charles Manson. Now, Charles Manson is a historic cult leader, um, and, and he is responsible um, as a sort of ringleader in the deaths of several people, uh, including notable people, uh, like uh, actor actresses, something like that. I, I don't, uh, the, the specifics of which escape me. I've got, you can hear these papers. Uh, these are actually printouts about Charles Manson. Uh, the reason I have printouts about it, uh, among other things, is because I don't know much about Charles Manson. This is why I initially thought it was some sort of um, uh, commentary on religious uh, a religious group or something. Um, 
Now knowing that it's about Charles Manson, it's a lot clearer. This is uh, crazy rhetoric. Uh, the only difference here between Joshua and Charles Manson is obviously because this is a comic book. Um, whereas Charles Manson had his, I don't know, I guess at the time it would be a charismatic personality, a message, a fiery demeanor, uh, he also had drugs and, and you know, uh, young women who work... Comparing myself to a young woman here is about to, <laughs> about to open up a can of worms. But anyways, uh, for the sake of argument, much the same way I didn't know much about history, uh, at least in, in terms of Charles Manson and, and other uh, notable events at the time, he uses uneducated, uh, not fully molded minds... It, it, young women some some young men to uh, along with drugs and alcohol to you know ensnare them make them believe in him and 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 what he stands for and the things he wants to do in terms of you know killing people and and blah 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 and of course it helps that at the time uh Charles Manson uh or Joshua rather looks a lot like Charles Manson uh that's why that dynamic panel where he says I am called Joshua looks almost exactly like Charles Manson is because that's what this is it's commentary on the Charles Manson thing now whereas uh, as I was saying I didn't finish that point as I was saying where Charles Manson used unformed minds uh non-fully formed minds uh gullible personalities uh drugs alcohol blah 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 clearly so this being a comic book Joshua uses some sort of hypnosis um and uh, that's the really the only difference now aside from the whole native american angle that they're seeding for uh issue number 79 this is obviously primarily about charles manson now i would educate you on charles manson but what i'm going to do actually is i'm going to step back i have a youtube video here uh, this is a YouTube video, uh, it's uh, a couple seconds longer than five minutes, uh, and it is basically Charles Manson uh, having an interview. Um, I don't know if it's Diane Sawyer or, or, or what, um, but there's some sort of an interview um, where it's just him talking, it's been cut, um, so whether or not it's, uh, you, you're not going to hear anybody but Charles Manson's voice, I'm just going to let you listen to him. Um, and the kind of personality he is. Now, maybe this is not the best snippet of Charles Manson's ideology or, or whatever, but to me, especially the very last couple of seconds are creepy as all hell. Um, you'll get it. So I'm going to let you guys listen to that, and then I'll come back, uh, and, and we'll go from there. So here we go. I live where there's no TV. There's no radio. There's no clocks. There's no electric lights. The girls carry water. They don't wear makeup. They have their babies by themselves. They go in the shack and squat down and have their babies. I live on the ground. I live on the earth. I don't live. I lived in Hollywood, and I had all that. The Rolls Royce and the Ferrari and the pad in Beverly Hills. I had the surfboard and the Beach Boys and the Beeskees and the Neil Diamond and the Robscoff and the Jimmy Schriffin and Elvis Presley's and Mesca Bestley's and all them guys. The Dina Martins and the Nancy Sinatras and the, and the Gaffes of Suffering. Will you do it to me? I hear you do it good, honey, and all that kind of. Will you come up to my house later? 
So I went through all that, and I seen that was a bigger prison than the one I just got out of, and I really didn't care to go back to prison. See, prison doesn't begin and end at the gate. Prison is in the mind. It's locked in one world that's dead and dying, or it's open to a world that's free and alive. Drugs, LSD, I don't consider a drug. I don't consider poverty a drug. Those are more or less religiously significant awareness mind-expanding apparatuses that come from the intelligence of the universe. The reason that the girls liked me was, Hey now, hey now, I'm all around you, around you. Hey now, up on your heart I can sing through you. And I play and I sing and they say, Hey man, you, you, got, you got soul in that music. And I said, Yeah, I, I play a little bit, you know. I like you. And they said, man, you're really somebody. I said, oh, I am? Well, I just got out of jail. I don't know what somebody is. They like my music. They say, man, we want to get you over. I said, get me over for what? They said, we take you down here to Beverly Hills, and we want to get you in because you're a star. I said, I'm a what? They said, you're a star. So they took me to the Beach Boys, and I went and I got on the surfboard, and I rode around, and I looked, and I said, gee, Quayle Chingasso's, this is more... This is more trouble than what I just got out of. You got nine, nine, look at yourself. You got to wear that, whether you like it or not. You got to do things. You got to get up and go through all kinds of changes. Whether you want to or not doesn't matter. Your whole life is put in your paycheck. I don't, you couldn't pay me all the money in the world to do something I don't want to do. If I'm shoveling the barn and you want me to go, uh, desk and rum flop, I say, no, 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 I'm doing something right here. I'm helping this blind man. I feel better in doing what I want to do. I did not break the law. Jesus Christ told you that 2,000 years ago. You don't understand me. That's your trouble. Not my fault because you don't understand me. I don't understand you either. But I don't spend my whole life trying to put the blame over on you because my cigarette didn't light or because something didn't work right. What do you want to call me a murderer for? I've never killed anyone. I don't need to kill anyone. I think it. I have it here. I don't need to live in this physical realm. I walk around in the physical realm, and I put on the faces, and I talk, and I play, and I, yeah, it's just a big act, man. In the spiritual world is where I live. I exist in places you never even dreamed of. You talk about, you know, this little physical realm you live in, guilty, and is he in sin? How's your courts guilty? How many people do you think you've hung on the ventilators in the nut wards and forced medication on them? You see what I'm saying? You don't have any idea what the hell's going on. If you knew what the hell was going on in your own system, then you'd say, I, now I see what's creating this. Society's creating it. Society's saying, we want these Rambos. We want these killers. Oh, wow, man. Look at that dude there. And you got little kids looking in, in the book, and where they're selling in it. Oh, yeah, Sears and Roebuck. Rambo from 12 to 15. Uh, Kai Karate from age 5 to 17. And you've got all your kids out here doing these crazy things. Now you want to come and say, Charlie Manson's the father of our country. We're convicting you for being Jesus Christ. We're convicting you for being the devil. We're convicting you for being responsible for our actions. I'm not responsible for anyone's actions but my own actions. In my whole life, I've burglarized a grocery store, sold some nickels and dimes, busted open a stamp machine, stole a few automobiles, and cashed a couple checks. I'm a petty car thief. I've uh, been with prostitutes and bums and winos and 
all my life. Uh, the street is my world. I don't, uh, I don't pretend to go uptown and be anything fancy. I can, but I find more real in the world that I'm in than I do the tinsel. And the real world is the one I have to deal with every day, you know. Uh, believe me, if I started murdering people, there'd be none of you left. So that was the Charles Manson interview. <laughs> um, creepy as crap at the end, especially, right? Well, so I could tell you the history of Charles Manson. That's this piece of paper right here. Um, the several pieces of paper. But it's clear that this stuff uh, is sort of best... Uh, is best real <laughs> relayed just listening to the man. Um, there's, there's not a whole lot else to say, uh, in terms of Charles Manson. So, let's get down to the, uh, the comics code part of this. This is going to be a very short episode, guys, um, because not only do I not comprehend the Charles Manson history well enough to give you a detailed synopsis of it, um... This is this is gonna sound bad. I don't want to. Um, Charles Manson. I've 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 had this material for a while, um, and I've been trying to educate myself on Charles Manson. And I know what happened now, uh, and I know the dates and the people and the who and the what and the trials and his crazy. Well, I think her name was Star um, that wants to marry him, uh, even though he's still in prison, uh, and. I think it was actually just uh, announced a few days ago uh, that Star he's not going to marry her because she wanted to she wanted to put his corpse on display after he died for profit. I don't freaking know. This is a backwater of of human um, the human psyche that I don't I don't. This is. You know how they say, like, the Joker is just insane in comics? Um, this is, this is real life Joker. And I, not like a literal translation of real, like, this is the Joker. Uh, he does all the things the Joker does. I just mean that kind of inconceivable insanity. The only problem is, if you listen to what Charles Manson is saying, God help me. If you listen to what Charles Manson is saying in there, a lot of his, it's almost like a lot of his sentences start off making sense. You're like, you know, he sounds like, you know, a guy that's <laughs> smoked too much pot or, you know, something like that. But he's like, I live in the moment, you know, I, I'm of the earth, you know, and, and <laughs> although people like that sound all granola and, and crazy or, you know, or whatever, you, you kind of get them, you know, because you're like, yeah, you know, the natural thing. That's that's cool, you know. I live in the moment, you know. I, I, I'm in my mind. And, you know, the, all of this is, it's not, it's 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 happening, but it's not real. And, and, and blah, you know, all that kind of mentality. I'm not saying I ident identify with him in any way. But what he says, when he talks, it starts to make sense. Then he ends with crazy. And that kind of mind freaks me out. That and I And I get it. I get why people who didn't educate themselves or 
allow themselves to become consumed with his personality and the drugs and the alcohol and the, and the group and the, quote, family, uh, would fall under this guy's spell. And it creeps me out that some people in the real world have this power over others. And I don't really want to delve too much into it. Um, yeah, there's not much else I can, I can say about that. Um, it just, it just, it just freaks me out. Uh, and I don't, I don't, this is, this, I don't think he is, but let's say, this is like intelligence gone wrong. It's like somebody, because I, I, I consider myself to be not, not like a genius or I just a smart person. Like I can, I, I'm constantly observing the things around me. I'm looking at what's going on in my life. I notice things. When I go out to dinner, I'm looking around. I'm overhearing conversations. I notice people's subtle reactions to things and, and blah, blah, blah. And I, 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 I know how to talk to people. Like I know how to talk to different people for the most part, different personality types. At least I like to think I do. I'm not perfect, but anyways. This is like somebody who can do that, and do that very well, but twisted to this dark reflection, and it freaks me the hell out. Um, so I, yeah, again, I, I've I've said that uh, four different ways, like too many different times. So we're we're done with that. But sorry, I'm not delving too much into the history there, but it, it just it just it skeeves me out. So the the comics code side of things. The Comics Code, adopted on October 26th of 1954, uh, this is, again, this issue takes place before the revision in 1971. So, what parts of the Comics Code does this particular issue uh, go up against? And again, this is, this is, um, lawyer doublespeak. It's all in how you interpret it. It's reading between the lines. So, what I was able to come up with is the following. Criminals shall not, this is uh, from General Standards Part A, number 5. Criminals shall not be presented so as to be rendered glamorous or to occupy a position which creates the desire for emulation. Two sides to this coin. The first being, the same way I said Manson starts off his sentences making sense and then ends on crazy, that happens in this book. He starts off his sentences sounding like, uh, you know, a guy who's just like, you know, let us be. Let us live off of the land and, and leave us alone. You're not ready for our message. Go away, please. Then he ends on guns and killing people and blah, blah, blah. That happens in this. So... Is he being presented as glamorous and they're making up? Are they purposely presenting him as glamorous? Or are they just reflecting what had happened with the Charles Manson situation? So, criminals shall not be presented so as to be rendered glamorous. That's the first part of that. Or, or occupy a position which creates the desire for emulation. He's presented as a charismatic guy towards the very, very, very beginning. He saves Dinah. He's... he's he kindly asks Green Lantern and Green Arrow to leave and leave Dinah alone. Green Arrow kisses Dinah full on the mouth and and Joshua makes no move to like tackle him or punch him or say, hey, what the F, you know, or anything like that. Okay. Charismatic kind of guy. 
And then he gets in the guns and the kill people and it's a whites only and kill him, kill him, kill him and hypnotizing people and you realize this guy's off his rocker. Okay. So they are presenting him, at least in a very small part of this, as rendered glamorous or occupying a position which creates a desire for emulation. But they're making a commentary on Charles Manson to show you there are two sides to every coin. So is it necessarily bad that they're presenting or rendering him glamorous or occupying a position to desire emulation? Is it necessarily bad? It's bra- is, it, is, is it even breaking the code? I don't know. I don't, it's kind of a stretch. But again, any, any lawyer worth his salt or anybody could look at this and say, ah, don't, you're not supposed to do it. it says it right there. See, clearly he's he's a charismatic guy right there. He needs to be nuts all the way through. You know, something like that. So there's that's a bit of a stretch. The next one. General Standards Part B, number four. Inclusion of stories dealing with evil shall be used or... Uh, shall be used or shall be published only where the intent is to illustrate a moral issue, and in no case shall evil be presented alluringly nor as to injure the sensibilities to the reader. Again, bit of a stretch, but it's it still can be applied to this issue. If you, I mean, any any rule can be stretched enough to where it can be applied in this case. And it is clear Joshua is evil. Um, now. Is there a bit of a moral issue here? Uh, not really. Uh, it's, it's a, a definitely a social issue. It's, it's, it's deeper than surface. I kind of consider moral issues to be very, usually pretty surface level. So, surface level, not meaning they're not complicated, not meaning that they're not, uh, that they're not, um, simple. And easy to overcome. I just mean that there, when they, when something is a moral issue, it's very clearly a moral issue. This is, this is, I mean, this is something, something deeper that needs to be explored. Obviously, they decided that the Charles Manson thing was a big enough deal. They needed to address it in a series, uh, in a, in a, in a comic book issue. So there's, there's that. Um, and again, in no case, and in no case shall evil be presented alluringly. Does the first part of Joshua's uh, appearance count as a case? Is an issue a whole case, or is every page a case? So, in other words, if you just take the whole issue. In no case shall evil be pre- pre- presented alluringly. Okay, in this full issue, no, he's crazy. What about just these two pages of Joshua? Do those count? I don't know. Um, also, General Standards Part C, under the uh, term religion, number one. Ridicule or attack on any religious or racial group is never permissible. Okay. Religious? No, not really. Um, there is, uh, it does seem sort of uh, a bit religious culty uh, in the beginning. Uh, again, that's what I thought when I first read it with no uh, 
interest or uh, history behind the Charles Manson story. But I highlighted this not because of the Charles Manson side of things, but because of the racial group side of things. The bikers attacking the Native American man uh, in, his, uh, in his shop. It says it's never permissible. Never. Now, we get to this in the next issue. The whole uh, Native American storyline comes to a head there. But, do the couple panels where the bikers punch this guy in the face simply because he's an Indian guy. Does that count? I would say so. It says never, so I'm assuming that means not a single panel. So there are those. Um, All those a bit of a stretch. I think mostly because... Rather than uh, attacking a... Uh, now, all the social issues in here... Or, 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 I'm, let me flip through this real quick. We've got the company town concept. Uh, we've got uh, the whole uh, racism slash, uh, um, you know, uh, tenement thing in the first issue. We've got the drugs issues later on. These are all happening at the time. But they're... They're fairly, uh, they're fairly widespread in terms of time. Racism is a big thing. Uh, environmentalism is a big thing. Uh, overpopulation. This is Charles Manson. This is a very narrow focus onto something that's happening at the time. So, it seems like the broader strokes, broader strokes, rather, of social issues and the other issues break a little more of the, of the, uh, of the comics code because these are these are issues that affect us all you know how can how can you know how can you say we can't talk about these subjects uh when they when they're so pervasive uh in our life and they've been pervasive in our lives for for a long time well charles manson brings up an interesting point in terms of our our humanity and, and what we allow and those among us who allow people like charles manson to to control quote unquote control us but it's it's very narrow it's it's is it okay to make a commentary on something big that's happening like Charles Manson in a comic book Charles Manson was an insane cult leader type personality who was partly charismatic who controlled a lot of young people and uh was behind a lot of murders and is that something we want our kids reading? Okay, no. But do we want our children to be blindsided by these kinds of people? Do we want them to be uneducated by these types of personalities? It's kind of like, you know, the... the and I'm not a parent, so God forgive me for saying this, but it's kind of like as a parent, you want to, I've heard, you want to shield your child from, from bad things. You know, if a, if a, if a dog dies or something, you know, he's gone, okay, this is, this is, this is, people, if, if somebody dies, they've gone to heaven. There are people who are not religious who say, 
that the, a loved one or a loved animal or something has gone to heaven because they want to comfort their child. They want to give them something. Those who say they've gone to heaven because they believe in that is, is a whole other thing. I'm not making a commentary or an insult to that. But those who do not believe, actively do not believe in, in, in the afterlife or anything like that, who still tell their children, you know, somebody's gone to heaven or whatever, are doing it to comfort their child. Among other things, there are other things people do to protect and shield their child from the badness in the outside world. But at some point, does it become a detriment to not tell your children and make them aware of the evil that is in this world? You want to shield them? You should shield them, yes. But should they be naive? I don't think so. They should be prepared to... You know, what if you're not there? What if you die? Or what if what if you've sheltered them their entire lives and now they're 18 and going off on their own and experiencing the world firsthand? But you've shielded them from everything. What then? Um, it's, uh, for my personal experience, I would like to be a father someday. And it's something I already wrestle with. I, how will I handle situations where reality what what life really is occurs or happens to my child and it's not something I think a child should deal with in that moment or that time in their life. I don't know. So, this particular issue, comics are not in the 70s, not just for kids anymore, but are starting to not be just for kids anymore, but it's still being considered by the mainstream audience and, of course, the comics code to be the kids being their primary audience. You're making these rules saying the kids shouldn't see A, B, C, D, 1, 2, 3, 4, all of these things here in the comics code. But is it necessarily right for them not to see it? Is it really good to make them oblivious to the re- the realities of this world? So that's something to just that's something you just think about and mull over. It's something I haven't really uh, kind of talked about. <laughs> One other thing I find interesting in here before we close out, and again, guys, I told you, sorry, short episode. So, this other thing in here is that Joshua hypnotizes these people. But yet, Denny and Neil, mostly Denny since he's the writer, make the point of saying... Let me, let me read this. Let me read this, okay. Dinah says, I don't understand what happened to me. Please help me understand. Ollie says, we will, kid, I promise. And maybe when we get you straightened out, we'll learn something. Maybe we'll finally know how maniacs like Joshua came to be and how they can seize the hearts of innocent, uh, of decent people and fill them with the poison of hate, of bigotry. And Dinah says he hypnotized us. And I, I read all this part here. Uh, on, but let me read it again. Ollie says, sure, that's part of it, but there had to be a part of you that responded to his insanity. You, me, all of us, maybe we can get rid of that part forever. Which is a commentary when you know this is about Charles Manson, but when it's about Joshua, who is clearly using a quote-unquote power of hypnotism, doesn't necessarily make a sense in the comic book. So I just thought it was funny. Even though it is a social commentary or a commentary on Charles Manson, it's also interesting once you apply it in strictly comic book terms, like Ollie is holding Dinah responsible for for her actions, even though she was under hypnosis. So, 
He's saying, well, part of you must have responded to him, so something's wrong with you in there. <laughs> but that I don't know. That's that's neither here nor there. So maybe a good episode of this, a good episode of this, uh, this spinoff. Maybe a bad one. I don't know. Uh, I do apologize about the kind of uh, scatterbrainness of it. Um, I have been researching this issue and Charles Manson, um, and trying to find things within the comics code that I thought again could the right person could stretch to apply uh, against this comic by the rules of the comics code, but. Um, Again, the top, the subject matter kind of skeeves me out. I mean, it's, 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 uh, the fact that real people like this really exist in the world. Um, I, of course I, I knew that, but, you know, seeing the effect they have on other people and then, uh, because I do research these issues, um, and the historical context behind them, the, uh, uh, the, the, insanity of this world was was a a bit a lot to see in there um uh yeah but whatever so again i apologize if this issue was a a little scatterbrained but there we go so uh next issue be a lot more uh coherent i pro or next episode rather be a lot more coherent as we cover um the uh the native american side of things in green lantern green arrow number 79 um, this, that one is called Ulysses Star is Still Alive. So, uh, be on the lookout for that, uh, maybe read up on that. Uh, if, in the meantime, if you'd like to contact us, it's lanterncast at gmail.com. Uh, we also have, uh, a Facebook and a Twitter, and you can like or follow us there respectively. We're also on YouTube, if you'd like to look up, uh, the channel is Lanterncast Vids, V-I-D-S, and feel free to subscribe to us over there. Um, we are on iTunes and Stitcher, and if you listen to us on either or both, please feel free to leave us a positive review. We really appreciate it. Uh, as well as we also have a voicemail. Feel free to leave us a voicemail, 708-LANTERN, and we will play uh, and read all uh, uh, voicemails and, and emails on the show um, or on any spinoff that it may apply to. So thanks for listening this time out, guys. Again, apologies about the scattered brainness. Um, uh, it's, it's hard to wrap my mind around things like this. Or maybe it's just too easy uh, and it freaks me out. So... Uh, Again, uh, thanks guys for bearing with us, and, or bearing with me through this, uh, this issue, uh, and, uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye.